0: On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the next generation Tesla Roadster sees another delay and is now penciled in for 2023 with supply chain issues to blame. Plus, the button for city streets full self-driving beta might finally be imminent. Elon Musk promises a bigger emphasis on opening more service centers and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey, alongside Daisy the Boxer. This is Ride the Lightning, your Tesla unofficial podcast for September 5th, 2021, the holiday weekend here in the United States for Labor Day. And there is plenty to talk about. I'll get right into that in a second. Just wanted to warn you up front, though, I am recording a bit early today, Thursday night instead of Friday night. My wife and I have Friday evening plans. So, uh, as always in these scenarios, if I happen to miss any big news items, Usually on Friday nights, it'd be maybe a newsworthy Elon tweet. If anything, I will certainly catch you up on it with proper analysis next week. So I hope you'll forgive me that. And a quick programming note that the monthly bonus mini episode is going up this weekend for Patreon backers at the appropriate tier. In fact, as most of you hear this, it should be available as you hear this now. And the monthly Patreon Google Hangout is happening on Sunday as well for those of you who are eligible for that. Invites were sent out last weekend, so if you are in that group, I hope to see you there because I have been having a blast at those things. And just a quick thank you to all of you who are very kind enough to support my efforts on this podcast via Patreon. And with that, let's get started with the week's Tesla news, item number one on the docket, a Roadster update from Elon. We have not gotten many of those at all over the last, gosh, three years at this point, four years. Unfortunately, this update is not what I was hoping to hear, uh, but I also can't say with a straight face that it's surprising. So user Twitter user Aaron asked Elon, can we have an update on the Roadster now that Plaid with TriMotors is out? And Elon replied saying, 2021 has been the year of super crazy supply chain shortages, so it wouldn't matter if we had 17 new products as none would ship. Assuming 2022 is not mega drama, the new Roadster should ship in 2023. Now, this is a pushback from his last update in January that suggested the car would go into production next year, 2022. So, Uh, a car that was originally scheduled for 2020 and then kind of unofficially maybe 2021 and then officially, again per that Elon tweet from January 2022, now moving back again to 2023. First, I want to say I am really hoping that Elon used the word should there as a cover-his-backside move, and that 2024 isn't actually on the table here, Uh, I I mean, I need to optimistically believe that, really, but in all seriousness, I will say, uh, Elon, I'm not too worried, because Elon has gotten a lot better over time about phrasing his tweets that way, in that cover-his-backside way, so that they don't read as ironclad promises that make him and Tesla look bad if they don't end up coming to fruition and holding to that timeline. Now, the second thing I want to say about this is that I would imagine, I mean, first of all, I guess I should say, I have no idea how many reservation holders there are for the next generation Tesla Roadster, because they're taking up to a thousand of those reservations for the founder series, which is the $250,000 version of the car that will be produced first. And that, version requires the entire amount down up front yes the entire 250k and then they are taking an unlimited number of deposits for the base model which will start at $200,000 so no idea how many of either of those and thus how many total reservations there are but what I would have to imagine after reading this and hearing this from Elon I have to imagine that a lot of the reservation holders who have put down 50000 or the $250,000 ha- that haven't already canceled their reservation are going to do so now and get their money back after this. I mean, I'm sure, again, plenty of them probably already have. I've been following one thread on the Tesla Motors Club forum over time about this, and there certainly have been some people who've decided to cancel their reservation and get their money back. But given the just extended relative radio silence on this car, and now this news that it's not going to go into production until at least 2023, it's completely understandable if a lot more reservation holders decide to take their money back uh, and put it back in their pocket, because quite frankly, their money can work for them in the market and make money for the next two years instead of giving Tesla a, an interest-free loan on it for that time now the other part of this delay is that uh it unfortunately the new roadster will earn a dubious honor in tesla history this car will now mean uh this is the most the longest delayed tesla vehicle ever six years from the prototype reveal from the product announcement to actual production and that's again at least that's if it makes 2023 we're talking 6 years from 2017 to 2023 that's also assuming that the tesla semi beats the roadster to market our last update on the semi is that it would go into production next year 2022 and i believe i do genuinely believe the semi will go into production then it's much more important to the the overall mission of tesla and the bottom line to Tesla than the roadster is the roadster is a vanity project i mean i I don't pretend otherwise it is it is it does not matter in the grand scheme of things it does not really matter for profitability because it's going to be such a low volume vehicle it is a vanity project it is a uh it is a you know a middle finger as it were to the rest of the basically to the to the gasoline powered arm of the car industry. That's the entire point of the Roadster, and that is just not a priority. That's not important compared to the Cybertruck, compared to the Tesla uh, semi-truck, compared to even certainly the Model 2, as we've been calling it, the $25,000 ultra-high-volume million-unit-a-year car, smaller car that Tesla intends to make. So, Uh, yeah, six years, though, we're looking at between the unveiling and production of the new Tesla Roadster, because, of course, the the Roadster and the Semi, as you'll recall, were both announced at the same event back in November of 2017. Now, my next point on this, and I'm almost done, I'll move on to other stuff, but uh, I have said this before, I think I said it back on my New Year's prediction show, but I'll say it again. This car, the Roadster, especially now, I already thought this, it only, this only, this delay only reinforces it. The Roadster simply has to change. It, it has to. There's, there's just no way that a 2017 design is going to hit the road as is in 2023. There's not going to be, you know, that that prototype that we've been seeing at Tesla events, at the Peterson Auto Museum, that car is not going to go into production as is in 2023 there's simply no way and so i will say i'm eager to see what the new version ends up looking like you know how this car is going to evolve the model s uh it had its first prototype back in 2009 i believe was the year for that the model x had its prototype unveiling in in early 2012 Uh, and the Model X didn't go into production until fall of 2015. The Model S didn't go into production until summer of 2012. So those were cars that in shorter amounts of time evolved design-wise. And so the Roadster is no doubt going to do the same. And I'm really curious what the final production version of that car is going to look like. I've talked about this before, but I just have to imagine it's going to get a lot more aggressive looking. Not that the prototype isn't aggressive, but I would call I would personally call the prototype more of an elegant look to it than than a just mean aggressive looking supercar. I think the the lines are going to get harder, the cor- you know maybe we might see some some harder edges on this thing. Uh and I I still think it will be it will have a strong resemblance to the prototype that's out there now, but I do think it's it's going to noticeably change from that 2017 prototype, and I am eager to see what that final version looks like. Finally, I wanna end this story before I move on to the rest of the Tesla news by giving a shout out to all of you plaid Model S owners out there, because your cars will now reign supreme. For at least an extra year, for the next couple years until until that Roadster shows up, hopefully in 2023, the Plaid S will be the king vehicle, not just in the Tesla lineup, but in probably the entire production world. I doubt anything is going to surpass the quarter mile time or the zero to 60 time of the Plaid S anytime soon. Uh, until that roadster does roll around and basically type in its video game cheat code up up down down left right left right a b a b start uh, for those of you who know the Konami code, and I'm by and with that I'm referring, of course, to the SpaceX package. That is the video game cheat code that the roadster will be sporting. So uh, unfortunate to hear of another delay but again, not surprising given the massive and ongoing component shortages that have plagued not just the automotive industry, not just Tesla, but everything, everything, home appliances, video game consoles, everything. So uh, the Roadster being a low priority is simply not going to be allocated those resources that could be going to the high volume vehicles like the Model Y, and like the Cybertruck, which, of course, that Cybertruck really needs to get into production sooner rather than later. Next up this week, in better news, I know some of you might arch your eyebrows up at me for saying this, and I understand that because I've, I have probably said this before, but here goes. Is the City Street's full self-driving beta opt-in download button, a.k.a. the button proper noun, capitalized. Is it really finally almost here? I think it might be. I think it might finally really be imminent now because Elon tweeted earlier this week saying, quote, FSD beta 10 rolls out midnight Friday next week, which by that I think he's referring not to this Friday that's just passed, but to September 10th, the upcoming Friday, since he said next Friday. Anyway, he says, FSD Beta 10 rolls out midnight Friday next week. Looks promising that Beta 10.1, about two weeks later, will be good enough for public opt-in request button. And thus, if you extrapolate that on the calendar, that would be approximately September 24th. Elon later added, quote, And Beta 10 is a step change improvement from 9.2. He also said that Beta 10 will have UI improvements over what we see now in Beta 9.2 as well. So, if that timeline holds, I will say this, it would make a pretty sweet birthday present for me, my 41st birthday coming up, as my birthday is September 20th. Uh... That matters to none of you. That only matters to me. But it would also, as I talked about on last week's podcast, allow Elon and Tesla to highlight it as a very, very, very big deal in the quarterly shareholder letter and on the earnings call, which, by the way, uh, if that FSD City Streets beta does get out by the end of the quarter, it's going to be interesting to see if Elon does decide to hop on the next earnings call, since on the last earnings call, he said he wasn't gonna do them anymore. So we'll see about that. Now, here is the reason that I'm genuinely, just in all seriousness, dropping any, any smiles, any smirks, any jokes. Here is the reason that I am genuinely optimistic for this, for this date that Elon has once again presented to us. And I realize that you may not share that optimism, after the constant, you know, we've got a bit of a boy who cried wolf situation going on with this button. Uh, and I I completely understand that. But let me lay it out for you here. The fact is, once Beta 9 finally came out, the updates have been coming out at a pretty regular, pretty frequent cadence. Just as Elon promised on the back of what is this neural net vision only rewrite of the entire system. And the thing is, Tesla is now seeing, they're seeing some stability and some predictability in their progress. And as such, I am honestly, truly confident that they are going to get there around the end of September as Elon has laid out. Could that flex by a week or two? Definitely. In fact, the odds are good that it probably will. This is not a an easy problem that Tesla is trying to solve here. And again, I fully recognize and I fully understand that maybe it's just naive optimism on my part, but I really, truly feel like that the light at the end of the tunnel, in the form of that FSD city streets beta download button, is finally getting brighter. We shall see. Now, if you're curious if I have any Canadian listeners out there, and I know I do, if you are wondering, well, what about us, Elon did respond to a tweet about Canada and Elon said, quote, not sure, but maybe in a few months in general for any region, we need to make the software work well, test it extensively and then get regulatory approval. If we could go faster while being safe, we would. And he adds that with an exclamation mark. So that is that for The latest update on the public release of the full self-driving city streets beta fingers crossed that this is the month that september is finally going to be the time when this happens and that in one month from now a whole lot of us will be driving this thing and experiencing it for ourselves speaking of elon musk tweets it is always tough to discuss elon tweets like this one in too much detail when the reality is they don't contain too many specifics, but it's nevertheless good to read. So someone tweeted at Elon, quote, yo, Elon Musk, when is Tesla opening more service centers in the Northeast US? The wait time is three plus weeks for an appointment. And Elon replied, quote, thank you for bringing this up. Tesla will expedite service center openings. Have you tried our mobile service that comes to you? Question mark. Well, hopefully this means, generally speaking, that he is going to have his team take a closer look at their service center expansion plans and quite frankly, pick up the pace a little bit wherever possible. I mean, I will say that even though I am extraordinarily blessed to be here in the Tesla bubble in the San Francisco Bay Area, where neither service centers nor wait times are much of a problem, again, I recognize that is not the norm. I am here at, you know, close to HQ, I'm in a very bizarre Tesla bubble. I mean, it's a good bubble to be in, but it's not this way everywhere. But, and I say that because, I I say that to mean this remains, service center and service appointments remain my number one concern about the company in the short term, because the fleet continues to grow at such an incredible rate each year. Uh, I know that Tesla can't just, Overdo it on service centers the way that they kind of can on superchargers. Meaning, and what I mean by that is they can't just build a bunch of service centers to stay ahead of future demand the way they've been doing, arguably, at least here in California, which I'll talk more about in a second, with superchargers because it makes no business sense to have a fully staffed service center with barely any clients. But I really, really do hope that Tesla stays as on top of the service center situation as is humanly possible. Because as I have said before, in fact, just a minute ago, I really believe it is the number one thing that could hurt, I'm not talking about hurting the company, I'm talking about hurting the mission. Because if Tesla develops a reputation for being a pain in the butt to get your car serviced due to long wait times for appointments and or service centers that are really far away, that could drive customers away before they even click the order button, which is obviously bad. So fingers crossed that Elon is going to put some extra resources on this arm of the business, the service center side of the business, and keep those resources there for the foreseeable future in an effort to stay ahead of this before it becomes a problem. Speaking of company growth, Unless I've missed it buried in shareholder letters and or 10Q filings, and I recognize that's not impossible, so apologies if I have. But Elon also gave us an update on the total number of Tesla employees worldwide. This is interesting, I thought it was worth sharing with you. He was asked, where else, on Twitter about this, and he gave a direct response saying that the company is up to, quote, about 110,000 employees worldwide, uh, which quite frankly is a lot more than I would have guessed. And the reason for that number exceeding what I would have guessed is that the last time that I remember hearing anything about this, the total employee count of the company, which admittedly was a couple of years ago now, maybe even three years ago, but really, you know, not like crazy long ago. Anyway... The last number I heard was something around forty or forty-five thousand total employees. So to be up to hundred and ten thousand is just incredible growth over those past couple slash few years, and that's amazing. It really is. I mean, stop and and tip your cap. That is incredible growth in a time you know in a time that has been very challenging. Certainly, the last year and a half has been extraordinarily challenging for everyone in every industry, really. So to go from, you know, 45K, you know, you're talking about, what, 2.5X growth here over the last two to three years, and it's going to keep going up as well, because I would imagine that Giga Berlin and Giga Texas will each be an additional five to 10,000 jobs just on their own. Now for a bit of perspective on this, just to again, contextualize this within the car industry, I looked this up, Ford is at about 186,000 employees, GM is at about 155,000 employees, and BMW is at 134,000 employees. So Tesla is catching up in that department uh, to a lot of the big established legacy automakers, and uh, obviously by other measurements such as total company valuation, they blew past that old guard quite a while ago. Now all Tesla needs to do, you know, they they've got a higher valuation, they're getting close on the employee count. All Tesla needs to do now is the hardest part, which is to catch up to them on total volume of cars produced and sold each year. But a big leap this year, though, remember. And after that, after 2021, there is simply nothing but blue sky above in that department for not just 2022, but the next several years. As the Cybertruck will go into production, Model Y will ramp up at two more factories. The aforementioned $25,000 air quote Model 2 goes into production, a car that, as I said earlier, is probably going to be a 1 million unit vehicle per year, so it is onward and upward for Tesla, that's it, onward and upward, there is no other way, it's not going to be down, it's not going to be the wrong direction, it's only onward and upward, and that is awesome. Next up, uh, I feel bad that I keep doing these stories about massive supercharger expansions, because they're all happening in California. The latest one is a 48-stall V3 project along that major Interstate 5 corridor between San Francisco and Los Angeles. I want to say thank you to ace supercharger sleuth Marco RP, who's on both Twitter and the Tesla Motors Club forums, for flagging this to me, and it was originally discovered, the permits for this were originally discovered by Tesla Motors Club forum user Yombad. Marco, in his tweet, though, which is what I saw, said, quote, A 48-stall supercharger is coming to the Mission de Oro Hotel in Santanella, California. The first phase of the installation will contain 24 stalls, and the other 24 will be installed at a later date. The permit is still going through approvals, end quote. What's interesting about this one to me is that it is not a new location per se. Like the Tejon Ranch expansion I told you about, aka the last stop before you head into the Grapevine Mountains and into Los Angeles if you're heading south from San Francisco to Los Angeles, Uh, just like that Tejon Ranch expansion, this one, this Santanella supercharger, is in the same town as another supercharger, but right across the freeway. So, this Santanella supercharger will be straight across the freeway from Gustine, which my California listeners are probably nodding their heads right now. Uh, I know a lot of California Tesla owners and enthusiasts listen to this podcast because the Gustine supercharger is pretty well known in the California Tesla community as the one where Pea Soup Anderson's is at. It's in the back of Pea Soup Anderson's parking lot. Uh, now, I would say I've been there a few times on the way home. from. Tr- I never end up going there on the way to Los Angeles or Phoenix, but I'll uh, often end up finding myself there on the way back. And so it's always at night. And in my experience, the Gustine Supercharger, it's not the worst one. It's far from the worst. That is... Pea Soup Anderson's restaurant. It's sort of a weird, kitschy restaurant. I've never eaten there, but their bathrooms are always clean, in my experience, so that's always a plus. But, as I said earlier, that Gustine supercharger is weirdly in the back of the parking lot, which, quite honestly, is a, it's a little dark and kind of creepy at night back there. Uh, and those superchargers, it's an older station, they're V2 chargers. So now we will get another big old bank of V3 chargers, which is just fantastic adjacent to this hotel. So I want to say kudos to Tesla for continuing to aggressively build out V3 superchargers in the state of California, which is where they sell the most cars. So this means for my California friends, we will have these 48, granted in two phases, plus the 12 at Gustine, 98 at Harris Ranch with the major expansion going on there that I've talked about on this show. 56 at Fireball, those are all open right now, that's, that's open, that exists right right now, you can go there. 40 at Kettleman City and 56 new V3s uh, at that new across the freeway from Tejon Ranch plus the 24 V2s that are already there at Tejon Ranch, so You add that up, that is almost 300 V3 superchargers right there, not counting the V2s, and those are just the big stations. I'm leaving out Patterson, I'm leaving out uh, Buttonwillow, which that's V2s, but I mean, I'm not even counting all the stations between San Francisco and Los Angeles. It's it's crazy how Tesla is just blanketing this San Francisco-Los Angeles corridor, and quite frankly... I really hope that Tesla is going to give as much love to other places because Tesla is growing everywhere, not just in California. So with that, I want to close this story by saying, if you hear of any jumbo-sized V3 super projects in your area that is not California, I would be delighted to know about them. Email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com, so that I can spread the good news on non-California big ol' supercharger projects. And finally this week, details of a new referral program have been found buried in the recently revised Tesla app that I told you about last week. I guess technically these aren't final until they go live. Tesla could always change their minds and do something else, but this is what's in there now. So thank you to Tesla Motors Reddit user uh, Mishengda, for digging into the app and posting this. So, uh, Mishengda writes, here are some strings contained in the APK that I think reveal how Tesla's referral program will work in the near future. And then some of those strings listed mention, quote, use my referral link to purchase a Tesla product and get free credits you can redeem for awards like supercharging miles, merchandise, and accessories. And then another string that says, you have, credits remaining, credits. Now, additionally, uh, it does seem like Tesla uh, is is sort of building these self-referrals into a loyalty credit, says Mishengda, which could help clear up the confusion about whether you can refer yourself. It says, quote, in the string, the APK, it says, your referral purchased a product name. Credits are now available in your account. So, all that is to say that uh, I think the notion of accumulating enough referral credits to buy things in the Tesla store online is pretty cool because I think it adds an extra element of fun to it, right? Like you could cash those referral points in for shirts, for Tesla te- tequila decanters, stuff like that, like just fun stuff. If you if you're not interested in supercharger miles for whatever reason, now. I wonder how the current program is doing in terms of engagement. Like, how many cars are still being ordered with referral links? Which, of course, if you're not aware, if you use a referral code now, both you and the person that refers you get 1,000 free supercharging miles. Although, come to think of it, I mean, the program has pretty much been untouched for about the last two and a half years. I mean, after the big prize era ended in early 2019, it's been this way ever since with the thousand free supercharger miles. So it probably is due for a refresh. And, you know, if that is if they're going to continue with it at all. Like, if they're going to keep it going, it's time to refresh it. And it appears that they are choosing to keep it going and to refresh it, which, by the way, I'm happy to hear that. I think it's a fun thing. That that it uh, promotes community. It promotes you know discussion of the cars with people that you that you care about and know in your life. So I'm all for it. I think it's a great thing, and we'll uh, we'll see when that properly rolls out, if indeed Tesla plans for this iteration of the referral program to go public. All right. Well, that's everything I've got for you in the world of Tesla news for this week. But Stay tuned, I've got a whole bunch of your excellent Ride the Lightning hotline phone calls coming up right after this.
1: This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out.
0: The second half of the show means it is time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Your questions, your comments, your discussion topics. Give me a ring anytime. I would love to hear from you. I would love to feature you on this show. Dial in in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software. Record your question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. And then email that file to me at tesla at gmail.com or you can take that same call and leave a message anytime day or night on the ride the lightning hotline it's a toll-free number that you can call and it's one 989 8752 Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off with Ed
2: from Barcelona. Hi, Ryan. This is Ed from Barcelona in Spain. I love the podcast and support what you do on Patreon. I'm quite the slacker with only the minimum contribution, but I enjoy the early access to each week's episode. So I'm happy to report that I'm a Tesla owner since June this year when I received delivery on a made-in-China Model 3 Standard Range Plus with the new LFP battery pack you mentioned in last week's podcast. As you pointed out, there is a slight decrease in range when fully charged, compared to the fully charged, nickel-based lithium pack. However, I think it's important to also note that the range for both packs is an estimate when the packs are brand new, and it's generally accepted that over the life of the lithium pack, you're going to lose between 5-10% to range. However, that is not the case with the LFP batteries, which are estimated to retain nearly all their range over up to 10,000 full charging cycles. That means by definition the LFP pack will outlast the life of the car itself. To put it more realistically, after 10 years of normal use, the LFP pack should show no appreciable range loss while the lithium pack may have lost up to 10% at that point. If that's the case, the LFP may be a much better long-term investment. Enjoy charging to 100% every day and don't lose range even under heavy use over many years. Sounds pretty great to me, and after researching it, I strongly preferred the LFP chemistry. And I would have chosen it over the slightly longer-range pack if I would have had a choice, since I plan on keeping my Model 3 for many years to come. Thanks again for the podcast. Take care, and catch you later.
0: Ed, thank you for your call and for your support on Patreon as well. Uh, I sincerely appreciate your explanation here, particularly given the fact that you actually own one of these LFP versions yourself. Your point about the minimal range loss over many charge cycles is a great point, and it really does even out the two choices, doesn't it? And and arguably, as you noted yourself, it probably even not only just evens it out, but gives LFP the edge. I mean, in the interest of fairness, it's also probably worth pointing out that there is one other upside that neither of us mentioned, and that is the marginally better supercharging speed of the LFP pack as well. So all of that combines to make a pretty darn good case for the LFP pack in the standard range plus car. Now, if people are curious about the downsides, the, it is a physically bigger pack so that you're unable to cram as many cells into a pack, which is one of the reasons that these are being used on the standard range plus Model 3s and not the long range packs. I still stand by my point that Tesla needs to clearly communicate these differences, over communicate is what I started to say there, to customers just so that they don't think that they're getting the short end of the stick here because as you so excellently illustrated, Ed, they're not. Thanks for your call. Let's go to David from Minnesota up next.
3: Hey, Ryan. This is David from Minnesota. I was watching some of Dirty Tesla's FSD beta videos on YouTube, and I noticed that his new Model Y is the heated steering wheel. I live in Minnesota, so retrofitting my Model Y to have a heated steering wheel is something I would definitely be interested in. Do you know if this retrofit is possible? Thanks. I love the show. Keep it up.
0: Hey David, you ask a very reasonable question here that I suspect plenty of your fellow Tesla owners would also want the answer to. So I did my best to dig into this and unfortunately the answer appears to be no. From what I can gather, there is a hardware issue, specifically a wiring issue that would prevent a functional swap from a non-heated steering wheel to a heated one. So I'm very sorry to have to deliver bad news, but at least you can preheat the cabin before you get in the car so that it's not entirely chilly in there. Thank you for your call. Next is a regular caller I love hearing from, Andre from Norway.
4: Hey, Ryan, it's Andre from Norway calling again. Uh, About Tesla opening the cars network for everybody else, that's uh, that's only, uh, it's a a win for Tesla because they can really now monetize it properly. And it's a win for the EV. Uh, industry in general and it's not like, yes probably there will be some problems in the beginning about charge ports and stuff, but that will even out and we will get more superchargers but I know we live in Norway and we have EVs everywhere and chargers everywhere, but it's not like everybody else is standing still I own that Electrify America Circle K um, and All the other operators will be, at least in Europe, building out a lot in the coming years as well. So overall, the situation will only get better. Um, If Tesla can um, uh, uh, open up and make the, uh, you know, kind of jump the gun, if you want, and and on top of that, build out an even bigger, even better network than It's all going to work out in a bit fine. At least that's my theory. That easy for me. Take care.
0: Bye-bye. Andre, thank you for your call as always. And I appreciate your call on this because you did the very thing that I often try to do and say that we all should do. And in effect, you kind of gave me my own advice, which is to step back and take a 10,000 foot high view of the situation. And in doing that, you are absolutely right. Any headaches are likely to be short-term, and the other car companies and third-party charging networks are also rapidly improving themselves, so it's all going to be better for everyone in time, and any inconvenience to Tesla owners, thanks to non-Tesla cars using the superchargers, is likely to be, in the grand scheme of things, a very brief moment of inconvenience in EV history before it all kind of normalizes out. Cheers, my friend. Thanks very much. Josh from Jerome, North Carolina is up next.
3: Hey, Ryan. Josh from Durham, North Carolina here. Thanks for the podcast and everything you do. It's been awesome listening. Um, My question has uh, has to do with delivery dates uh, and delays uh, more accurately. My wife and I ordered a Model 3, a long-range Model 3, back in early June this year, uh, and we've been on the roller coaster of Getting a delivery estimates and then it getting pushed back, uh, the delivery date getting removed from the account and then put, you know, getting put back. Uh, my question is: several of those delivery date timelines have seemed to line up with end of quarter dates as well, which is particularly frustrating if they're setting those delivery estimates to line up uh, and pad quarterly projections. Um, New estimates are looking at October, November, you know, timelines for delivery. I was wondering if you had any insight into uh, production pipeline, you know, delays, how accurate some of these new delivery dates are and whatnot. Uh, So any insight is awesome or or any ways to speed up delivery. Um, Any insight is awesome. Thanks again for the podcast, Ryan, and everything you do. Uh, And I look forward to hearing more. Thanks. Bye
0: josh i wish i could be more helpful because i do empathize with your position you've already had your order in for almost three months now with still no firm idea of when that model 3 is going to be in your driveway unfortunately any reading of the tea leaves on production and deliveries is almost impossible these days because of the component shortage it has just thrown such a wrench into everything as you know from listening to the podcast recently. And it's, as I've said, it's not just Tesla, it's everything. But hopefully you'll get lucky and they'll have it to you by the end of September, aka the end of Q3, and actually I guess that's the end of this month now, we're into September. But by the way, uh, there is one serious answer to your question of how to speed up your order, and I don't say this flippantly, but it is legit true, because when you look at the delivery windows, the delivery estimates, it is true. And that is to change your order to a performance Model 3, and you'll get your car sooner. Obviously, that is not feasible or necessarily desirable for everyone, but that really is the only surefire alternative. That's the only surefire way to get your Model 3 sooner. But here is hoping that you do get your car pretty soon. Brian Romano is up next. Welcome, Brian.
5: Hey, Ryan, this is Brian Romano, 23. I looked up Tesla Podcast in December and saw how many years Ride the Lightning had been going on and how consistent episodes were released, so I figured I'd start there with episode one. Now, 310 episodes later, I'm finally able to listen to episodes the same day they're released. Thank you for everything you do, from the news to the reviews, your personal life, opinions, and experiences, to the Ride the Lightning hotline and the pro tip of the week. The podcast is perfect. December 27th, I decided I wanted a Tesla, so I did some research, called the store near me and told them all the options I wanted. They told me they had one in stock, and by December 31st, I had a brand new 2021 long-range Model 3 in my driveway. Easiest shopping experience ever, and after two weeks, I love the car so much, I pre-ordered a Cybertruck. I'm not sure how or if I can afford it at this point, but it doesn't even matter. These things to maximize enjoyment make that much of an impact. Congratulations on Daisy the Boxer Puppy, the Elon and Franz interviews, the new Model 3, and the two new Roadsters. Everything's been well-deserved. I'll be listening for as long as you're making episodes, and thanks again for everything that you do. Let me know if you ever take that Roadster to Long Island. You're always welcome here. And Not really a pro tip, but just a reminder to everyone to be nice and respectful of others. Tesla deals with enough fun as it is, so let's try to help this great community any way we can. Thanks a lot.
0: Brian, welcome to the podcast, and i got to be very sincere here. I really appreciate this call, because honestly, the, the highest compliment I feel like I can get from this podcast is from somebody who enjoys it enough to go back and start from the beginning and then catch all the way up today. There have been a handful of people who've told me that either emailed me or sometimes you know you get to meet people in person and they've said that. It, regardless, that is a lot of time, Brian, and your time is valuable, so thank you. I appreciate you spending your time listening to the podcast. Uh, I am thrilled to hear that you're enjoying your Model 3. I mean, the cars really do sell themselves, though, don't they? I mean, it's just the acid test of a great product. If that product basically sells itself when you try it without the need for a salesperson in your ear telling you uh, about this great thing or that great thing, you know you've got a great product. Uh, So thank you very much for listening to the podcast. And I look forward to more hotline phone calls from you in the future. Cheers. And uh, yes, by the way, I would love to make it out to Long Island one day. That would be fantastic. Uh, next up, an anonymous caller who picked up a Model Y not too long ago.
6: Hey, Ryan. Thanks for all you do. I truly enjoy your shows. Uh, I took possession of my first Tesla, uh Model Y Long Range, in the middle of June. And my wife and I recently took a our first long road trip uh, from Colorado to Wisconsin to visit family. Uh, We took our bikes with us, and those were transported by a a hitch-mounted bike rack behind the car. Most of the miles were on Interstate 80, traveling somewhere around 75 and 80 miles per hour. Given those two variables, we averaged around 397 watt-hours per mile for the 2,800 miles of the trip. I'm just wondering how normal this is. Uh, As a first road trip for new owners, we found it tricky to charge appropriately. Uh, Ultimately, we leaned heavily on a better route planner to help us get a better idea of which chargers we were going to stop at and for how long. Um, I'm curious why the Tesla nav doesn't track your average watt hours per mile over the last 50 or 100 miles uh, to, you know, make a better estimate of the range you'll actually be getting. Uh, Do you know if there's any talk of updating the navigation to uh, to pay more attention to your average efficiency versus the rated average? Thanks again for the show, appreciate all you do, cheers.
0: Well, hello, sir, and thank you for calling in. If you haven't already seen it, if you tap the up arrow on the bottom row of the screen to pop up the list of apps, You can go into the energy chart and it does show you your efficiency over the last 5, 15, or 30 miles, admittedly not 50 or 100, and it does project how you're going to do over the duration of your inputted trip. So if the highlighted line is above the gray line, then that means you're beating your efficiency projection, and if it's below, then obviously you're not. With the bike rack, it is no surprise that you would be a bit below uh, the projection. 397 watt-hours per mile is a good bit higher than it would be in a, you know, kind of, I guess, for lack of a better word, naked Model Y. But I am glad that you knew about a better route planner because it really is a useful tool. I've mentioned it in on the podcast before. I hope you enjoyed your trip, and I appreciate you listening to the podcast one more anonymous caller is next this one in regards to the tesla bot
3: hello ryan i have two thoughts in regards to the new tesla bot first the price i think your estimate was about right these things will be using the same parts that are going into the cars and a whole lot less of them so it should cost significantly less than the cheapest tesla car you can buy now how about it's furthering the mission If these things swarm the factory floor, they might be able to hugely improve production capacity of existing factories. They could also be put to work building some of the more specialized robots that Tesla uses to build the cars. And they might even be construction workers helping build new factories. They could also be ideal for climbing up on roofs to install solar panels. And as more utility scale battery systems come online, they might be just right for doing maintenance on high voltage systems. Best wishes to you and Daisy. You know, I think we should start a pool for charity on
0: guessing the price of this thing, just for fun. 10 grand was, it was literally just the first number that popped into my head after I saw the presentation. But obviously I could easily end up being way off. Uh, And by the way, good point about the factory. The Tesla bots could definitely end up doing some of the more dangerous or monotonous or laborious tasks around the factories. Or as you suggested, uh, they'd be, they could be additive labor instead of re, instead of just replacement labor. I have healthy skepticism that that this thing is ever going to be sold to a regular customer. Just in the sense I say that because Tesla's plate is so full. I mean the the Cybertrucks seemingly been pushed a year, the Roadster has been pushed out to 2023. So I don't know, but but then again, I do often say when I speaking of earlier in the show when I said I should take my own advice, never bet against Elon Musk. I have said that a number of times on this show over the years, and it's something I still very much believe. Thanks for your call. Uh, Here's JF from Montreal, also on the subject of the Tesla bot.
7: Hey Ryan, it's JF from Montreal, and I wanted to comment and speculate on the Tesla bot pricing structure. I think that the base price will likely be well over 10 grand, but that depends on what Tesla includes in this version. Much like their cars, we will probably have a pricing structure where you can purchase added functionality over-the-air updates. For example, the basic bot might be able to do limited simple tasks on private property, like making cocktails or mowing your lawn. And Tesla might sell more specialized tasks, such as driving your car, if it's legal and insurable in your state, of course, for an additional flat or monthly fee, kind of like enhanced autopilot, and subscriptions on Tesla cars today. There's also the chance they go the FSD route, which would be purchasing future abilities today up front. The basic bot would get some added functionality over time with free updates, but the fully loaded bots would get considerably more useful. I also think that the team working on the bot AI will have to work on solving problems that seem useless to the FSD solution at first, but end up complementary and useful in some ways with the March of Nines. What
0: do you think? JF, I cannot argue with anything that you said. In fact, I think it might just have a monthly subscription anyway, just to keep its neural nets up to date, which could potentially turn into a huge revenue driver for Tesla. Thinking more about it, I'm not sure we'll get to the point anytime soon where any government signs off on it driving a car. Like, that was a a caller last week, I think it was Bob from Austin, and I thought more about that. I was like, well, I don't know if any government's going to go for that anytime soon. But hopefully in time, that could be feasible. I mean, remember, Elon said they're aiming for a prototype sometime next year. So whatever this turns out to be, it's still a pretty long way out. Nevertheless, it is very much still fun to think about and discuss. So thank you for your call. Two more callers this week, the penultimate caller for Ride the Lightning 318 is Ken from Texas. Hi
8: Rand. Ken here from San Antonio, Texas. I wonder if they can make the charge port follow the car's lock. When the car is unlocked, it seems logical that the charge port should unlock as well. As it is, I have to go to my app and ask for the port to release the charger. This isn't an issue if you're using a Tesla charger, but I use a J1772 charging adapter since my home charging was set up to charge my previous Nissan LEAF. Some Teslas have a release button, but my 2019 Model 3 does not. Anyway, this would be an easy software change, in my opinion, or perhaps I'm missing something. Anyway, I enjoy your podcast. Keep up the good work.
0: Ken, I have some good news for you. Even if you are using a non-Tesla charger, if you have the key on you and or the car is unlocked, I actually confess I have not been able to double-check whether it's either of those or both of them, but if you just tap on the charge port door with your finger, it will open. So hopefully that helps alleviate your concern at least a little bit. Thank you very much for calling in. And last, but certainly not least, we're going to stay in Texas and talk to Dave.
8: Hey, Ryan, this is Dave from Texas. I'm a longtime listener. In regards to your suggestion that Tesla over communicate on the LFP battery pack, I had an idea. I was thinking they could put a message on the charging screen of the Tesla basically something very short and simple saying you have an LFP battery it's recommended for daily use that you charge this to a hundred percent and then they could also conversely put something for the non LFP batteries saying something like you have a NMC or whatever it is battery it's recommended that you charge this daily to 80 or 90% and only do 100% for long trips. Just thought I'd throw that out there, thanks.
0: Thank you, Dave. Yes, that is the ultimate way to go if Tesla has the software resources to do that, meaning the software team. I suggested an email because I thought it's probably easier. I mean, just flag everybody in the database who has an LFP car on order and send them a form email, a templated email. But yes, I would absolutely love it if the car would communicate the information directly on the screen when these folks take delivery. I mean, that said, I still think it's important to tell them before delivery, but also definitely at delivery as well. But yeah, if they if they get something on the screen, that way there would be no potential spam filters to catch the email that I'm suggesting or anything else in the way. It'd be a direct, absolute, guaranteed connection with the customer there, so... I appreciate your call and the suggestion, Dave. And thanks to all of you who took the time to call in. I love this part of the podcast. I love featuring all of your voices. It just freshens things up where it's not just me for the entire hour. So again, if you'd like to participate, if you've got a Tesla question, comment, or discussion topic, give me a call. I gave you the two easy ways that you can call in back at the top of this segment, so refer back to that. And with that... I'll take a short little break, but I am not done yet. There's a bit more podcast coming up for you right after this. Let me give you an entertainment recommendation for this week. I have been hooked on, I believe it's on HBO Max, and it's called Searching for Italy. It is basically a food show hosted by Stanley Tucci, you know, a longtime veteran actor. You've probably seen him in a million things and not really realized it. And it's just him. He's a he's a Italian on both sides of his family. He he lived in Italy a bit as a kid, and he just goes to different regions of Italy, kind of exploring the cuisine in each region. And for me, I've just I've always wanted to go to Italy. It's number one on my list of places that I've never been to that I want to go to. And I just, I've just been kind of uh, vicariously living through this show of like, oh, okay, here's what it would be like to go there and eat. So uh, check it out. If he needs some wholesome television to watch, check that out. Uh, again, I believe that's on HBO Max. In fact, yeah, it d- definitely is now that I'm thinking about it. Okay, time for your Tesla Pro Tip of the Week it comes from Ian from right here in the San Francisco Bay Area.
1: Hey, Ryan and Daisy. My name's Ian. I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. My dog, Maestro, and I enjoy listening to your podcast when we're on the road in my 2021 Model 3. Anyways, I'm not sure if this is a pro tip or just an accidental discovery, but on a recent show, you were talking about how AT&T was going to discontinue their 3G and how it was going to affect older Model S's. It got me wondering if I could use my phone's hotspot and connect to my Tesla. In order to do this, I needed to connect my car to my phone's hotspot when the car was in park. But then when I put the car in drive, while it would default back to its built-in LTE connection, if I touch that LTE icon, I can click on Wi-Fi settings, turn Wi-Fi on, select my phone's hotspot, and select connect. And then for the rest of my drive, I'm on Wi-Fi. I thought this was an interesting workaround for those Model S's that are going to lose their 3G service, but without having to do any upgrade. It was also interesting because I found any of the aspects of my car's MCU that relied on internet speed was much more responsive. So anyways, like I said, I'm not sure if this was a pro tip or if this was an accidental discovery and it could be changed, I guess, at any moment with a software update. So anyways, keep up the great work with the podcast. And as for Daisy, Maestro says...
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, and that might be the best end to a hotline call that I've ever heard. And I've and there've been a lot of good calls on this show. Uh, very interesting though on your pro tip. I'm going to count this as a pro tip for now. So thank you for experimenting and finding that and for calling in and and yeah, I appreciate Maestro chiming in there as well. Uh oh, I want to mention real quick too the my Hedgelord NFTs, Tesla inspired NFTs from the, you know, inspired by the the ha yes, hedgehog that you get when you confirm your order for a Tesla. The first round sold out, which is amazing. I love that. Thank you very much to any of you who uh, who picked one up. And the second collection is, is almost finished. I'm hoping it'll be done by the time this episode airs, but I don't want to definitively say that in case it's not. But you can take a look at the website and check. It's www.hedgelord.net. And there are some really fun, I've, I've, I'm having a little more fun with it now. Uh, one of them has the SpaceX, the, the, the helmet from the Crew Dragon on Mars. One of them Cybertruck themed. There's some good stuff in here. So take a look and I'll mention it next week if hopefully for sure by then they're all done and online. Uh, all right. Let me start out by mentioning, of course, abstractocean.com purveyors of many fine tesla aftermarket accessories many of which are lighting themed so if you want to adjust the lighting in your car maybe you want to change the interior accent lighting color or just brightness get the brighter white whatever you want to do they've got the uh, of course they've got the rear footwell lighting kit which looks really nice particularly in the model y that has the raised seats the drop-in cup holder stabilizer, the tempered glass screen protectors, all that stuff, and much, much more. Check it out, abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout, and you will get 15% off of your first order. That's RTLPODCAST, all one word. Uh, Meanwhile, get your snap plate front license plate bracket from everyamp.com slash RTL. These are custom made for each Tesla, the S, the X, the 3, and the Y. They snap on and off in seconds, but they are secure when they're on. They're paint safe, grill safe, autopilot safe. They're not not gonna get in the way of anything. And best of all, they're not gonna scratch or scuff or poke a hole in anything in your beautiful Tesla. Uh, That is the big deal so you can take it off for car shows, take it off while you're washing the car, put it back on if you're parked at a street parking, like a parking meter, you don't want to get a parking ticket, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. Immaculate Reflections, who can be found at irdetailing.com. If you are going to be in the San Francisco Bay Area with your car and want to treat it to a spa day? There is no better place to take it than Immaculate Reflections. Again, go to irdetailing.com to learn more and to get in touch with Jeff, the owner of the shop, uh, and to get on his calendar because he is booking up quickly. The you know the three big services. It's not the only thing he does, but the the three major things uh, of which I am fans of all. Uh, certainly, paint protection film being probably the big one particularly since the front end of all of our cars there's is paint you know there's no proper grill it's just all paint up there so any little rocks any little things are you know over time they're going to take they're going to take paint off the car and you don't want that so i'm a big fan of an advocate for paint protection film at least on the front of the car if not more but you can also do paint correction which will have your paint job your finish looking better than factory new Uh, And then there's ceramic coating. If you don't feel like waxing your car for the next three to five years, get it ceramic coated and you won't have to do that. You won't have to worry about uh, any waxing for quite some time. So IRDetailing.com. And mention that you are a Ride the Lightning listener if you're going to book a service with Jeff, and he will have a discount waiting for you. PureTesla.com slash RTL is your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. 49 bucks is all it takes to get free shipping anywhere in the U.S. for the 128 gigabyte kit. I'm a big fan. Check that out again, puretesla.com slash RTL. You will buy it once and never have to think about it again. And then, of course, Jada makes all kinds of good stuff. If you've got a 2021 Tesla, you want the USB hub console, which has a storage organizer, a USB hub, an Apple Watch charger, an AirPod charger, all built in, all this stuff in one pretty cool product. If you have an older Tesla, specifically a, what, pre-2021 Model 3, that means uh, you could probably use a wireless charging pad for your phone, because it didn't come with one factory the way they do now, and you can get yourself the Jada wireless charging pad. I'm using it in my car. I've used it for a couple, what, however long it's been out and it's great. They're up to version four of it now, which is the, the best version of it yet. If you're going to buy any of the Jada stuff though, A, use the coupon code RTL to get a discount. B, please buy it through my referral link, which is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. That is the website to go to to get your Jada stuff and then use that coupon code from there. And then there's a, there's one more new product I wanted to mention before I get to the Patreon. And this is, again, for 2021 threes and whys. So if you've got one, if you've got a new three or Y, you've probably realized by now that it will charge a normal size Qi compatible device just fine. But when you if you have a smaller phone, like an iPhone 12 mini, the, key, the excuse me, the Qi charging coil in the car doesn't really match up well with the Qi coil in the iPhone mini. Uh, also, if you have the new AirPods Pro, they're also Qi compatible for charging, but your Tesla won't charge them either unless you hold them up in the perfect spot on the pad. Well, one of my loyal listeners, Brad from Minnesota, took it upon himself to solve this problem by designing special charging mounts for the Apple AirPods Pro and the iPhone 12 mini. These mounts are precision molded. Uh, He he showed me the pictures, made me a video to show me. Uh, It's molded to fit perfectly in your new 2021 3 or Y. They're made out of a durable silicone with a soft touch coating, and they're color matched to the gray charging pad in the car. So they look great, feel great, and you'll be able to now easily charge your iPhone 12 mini and your AirPods Pro. And Brad is offering 15% off of your order for his fellow Ride the Lightning listeners. So if you go to Karandu, actually, I don't know how if I'm pronouncing this right. Karandu.com. It's K-A-R-A-N-D-U. Karandu.com. Select which product you want because they've got driver or passenger side uh, products available, then enter RTL as the coupon code. You will get a 15% discount. So again, that's karendu.com, K-A-R-A-N-D-U, to get 15% off. Check that out. Just uh, trying to help get the word out on this community-driven product right here. Finally, uh, if you'll humble me, if if you'll allow me for a few minutes here to mention my Patreon, as I like to do at the end of the show. If you've made it this far, that probably means... You enjoy the podcast, and for that I am grateful. And perhaps, and so it is, it is with a hat in hand and, and with a, uh, with a with nothing but humility and grace that I kindly ask, if at some point you see fit, you see it in your heart to say, hey, you know what, Ryan, you have earned my support. I would like to support your efforts because you deliver this podcast for free every week, every single week, on time, every Sunday, without fail, like clockwork. And you do a good job. I mean, that's, that's again, that's what I hope you're thinking. But if you do think that, I would love it if you would consider backing me on Patreon. There are a number of different support tiers, you know, either monthly support or you could do a one-time, uh, once per year, an annual pledge. And if you do the annual, you get a 5% discount on it. So there's a little bit of a, a, a nice little break there, a little incentive, I guess, if you will. So to learn more, to see all the tiers and all the little perks and bonuses that are at each tier, you can go to my Patreon page, which is found at Patreon.com slash Tesla Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I'm on all the major podcast services. Uh, if depending, you know, if you just happen to find this on Google and you're wondering, oh, I'd like to listen to this regularly, I'd like to do that easily, how do I do that? You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pat podcasts if I can say that correctly. I'm on Stitcher. Uh, you've got TuneIn and Spotify, which not only are obviously on the web, but they're actually native in your Tesla, so you can listen that way uh, as well. I'm also on YouTube, just as audio only. There's no video, but if you just prefer to listen via YouTube, you can search Ride the Lightning Tesla on there, And you should see my channel pop right up and you can subscribe right there. That will about do it. If you're interested in following me on social media, I'm at DMC underscore Ryan on both Twitter and Instagram as well. And again, my uh, Tesla inspired, again, just having fun with this, my NFTs, my Tesla inspired NFTs, the Hedgelords, you can find at www.hedgelord.net. And with that, let me say hello and thank you to all of the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier backers who I hope I will be talking to many of at this weekend's monthly Patreon Google Hangout. Let me start with the Maximum Plaid tier. I want to say welcome back to Tyler Smith, who uh, had <laughs> messaged me. He was, he was very kind. He said he inadvertently dipped out for a little uh, for a minute there, but he's back. So thank you, Tyler Smith for uh, renewing your maximum plaid tier pledge. And then the rest of the maximum plaid tier backers, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Charles Galpin, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, MT, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Matt Kalen, and Zachary Howard. Then the Roadster in Space tier crew, thank you very much, to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, and Crafty Geek. Thank you all. And the Plaid crew. Thank you to George Cassiopo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Joel Sapp, Dory, and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Club of Taiwan, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Michael Regal, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton. By the way, Jerome, congratulations on your semi truck driver license. He's got some plans. He wants to get himself a Tesla Semi, He's he's been emailing me, Jerome's got some very cool plans, and if he follows through with them, he's definitely going to have to be a guest on the show to talk about it. Uh, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, the Tesla owners East Bay Club. Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zalesny, Joshua Walker, Rick Dean, and not Elon Musk. Thank you all very much for your very kind and generous and ongoing support of my podcast on Patreon. It really does. Again, it's, I I don't want to be anything but serious about it when I say it. It makes a massive wonderful difference in my life and my family's life that that uh, all of you would voluntarily choose to you know I'm again I'm never going to put anything I'm never going to put the podcast behind a paywall that's never going to happen that would be the fastest way to drive away all of my audience that I've spent 6 years building up so the fact that uh, many of you out there would would take it upon yourselves and be have be so kind hearted to voluntarily Uh, support me on Patreon, it means a lot, so thank you. With that, I will say good night, good morning, well, I guess, good night to me, I'm going to bed, I don't know what time you're listening to this, but definitely good night to Daisy, she is snoring over on the the couch over here in my office, but happy electric motoring to all of you, I hope you have a great holiday weekend and week to come, and of course, I will see you back at the regular time every Sunday, 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern, until then...